morning, everybody. Welcome to the news agenda with me, Fleet Street Fox, and I'm busy trying to do about a thousand other things uh, and text messages while I should be concentrating on you. But happy Tax Cut U-Turn Day and welcome to the news agenda with me, Fleet Street Fox. And today I'm joined by the Mirror's Deputy Political Editor, Ben Glaze. Morning, Ben. Morning. Trained to a hotel room radiator in Birmingham. Now, this is the People's Pay-Per-View, so get into the comments, ask us your questions. We'll do our best to answer them for you. Those of you listening later on podcast will just have to ask your accountant what all of this means. So what have we got for you today? Well, the Mirror has splashed on claims last night that Tory MPs are already plotting to get rid of Liz Trust by Christmas for the sake of both their party and the nation's mental health. But this morning, events have rather overtaken us, indeed most newspapers, with an announcement by Chancellor Kwasi Kwarteng that he is going to scrap his tax cut for the wealthiest people in society and bring back the 45% rate. This is what he says. Um, from supporting British businesses and blah, blah at the beginning, let's ignore that. However, it's clear the abolition of the 45p tax rate has become a distraction from our overriding mission to tackle the challenges facing our country. As a result, I'm announcing we are not proceeding with the abolition of the 45p tax rate. We get it and we have listened. This will allow us to focus on delivering the major parts of our growth package. First, our energy price guarantee, which will support households and businesses with energy bills. Second, cutting taxes to put money back in the pockets of 30 million hardworking people and grow our economy. And third, driving supply side reforms, including accelerating major infrastructure projects to get Britain moving. Um, now, this is being widely seen, Ben, indeed trailed by Truss and Kwarteng there, is them listening and responding to the widespread public anger among pretty much everybody. And it's probably got a lot to do with keeping their jobs as well. But is it going to work, do you think? I think the damage has already been done. Um, now they've got the problem of they showed their true colours in wanting to cut this uh, the additional higher rate of tax, 45p rate. So they took the hit for announcing that and showing whose side they were on and what their priorities were. But then, stung by the backlash, they've done this U-turn this morning. So now they're open to accusations of, well, they haven't got the courage of their convictions. It's a lose-lose situation um, for the for the Prime Minister and the Chancellor. And I was talking to a senior Conservative this morning who basically said it's better to take the hit now um, and get it over and done with because they basically accepted that they wouldn't be able to have got it through the Commons anyway, i.e. they would lose a vote on this in Parliament and you'd have weeks and weeks of uh, of people like us writing, you know, you're on the side of the people earning 150 grand a year plus the millionaires um, when you're preparing to cut benefits in real terms. So they've, they've taken the decision this morning that get it out of the way, do it now, um, nine or 10 days, I think, since, since the emergency budget. And that's the lesser of an evil. This is the easiest thing to do, perhaps. And they're trying to you know, get through conference without being murdered by their own activists. And they're also trying to sort of get to Christmas, pretty much, I should think, and try and get through this crisis we've got in Sterling at the moment. Now, get into the questions. What do you think? Do you think this is going to work? Does this change your mind entirely about Liz Truss and Quasi Kwarteng? Do you, were you anti them before and now suddenly you're pro? Let us know. Now, when Quasi made his announcement... Trading in the pound actually rose by a ginormous, whopping, earth-shattering 1%. Um, then it slumped down again when straight afterwards, presumably when the traders worked out that uh, bankers' bonuses are still being axed, stamp duty, corporation tax, national insurance, and the 20p rate of income tax all still being cut, funded by borrowing £70 billion worth of it. Is this going to settle the markets, Ben? Because the argument all along 
wasn't it, was that the 45p tax cut was the politically most damaging thing, but financially just the smallest part of the whole package. It was the least important thing to do. Um, while the rest of it is this massive chunk of unfunded borrowing that they still haven't accounted for. That's going to be the real problem, isn't it, as far as the markets are concerned? Yeah, so in the mini-budget um, last or Friday before last, it was £45 billion pounds worth of tax cuts and £72.4 billion pounds worth of borrowing. Now, the, the 45p rate only actually accounted for £2 billion. Pounds. So in the overall scheme of things, it wasn't a lot of money. But politically, a huge amount of capital was spent by Liz Trust and by Quasi Quarteng on saying they wanted to cut it. And... It, in the end, it just wasn't worth it because it was, you know, it was a surprise move. A lot of the measures that were announced in that uh, emergency budget, mini budget, had been trailed in advance, and we knew what was coming up. And I was actually sitting in the um, in the chamber in a press gallery when it was announced, and it was a genuine surprise. You know, we all sort of mouths dropped open, everyone looked around at each other, thinking, "Wow, well, we weren't expecting that." And then minutes later, when we were being briefed by the Treasury, we got pointed to the figures showing how much that particular measure was worth and you, I remember thinking at the time well that's not a lot of money and this is going people are really going to hate this mm. and it just seems so not pointless but a bit why are they doing this it's, it was a, an odd hill to die on and now that they've, they've done the U-turn which was inevitable because they wouldn't have been able to get it through the Houses of Parliament anyway um, they've made you know they've created all this chaos and what you can't forget is, all right, they've put the, you know, they're not going to go ahead with the 45p cut. But because of the chaos that it unleashed on the markets anyway, well, people's mortgages have gone up now. You know, the people literally thousands of pounds a year worse off because mm. they have to make more in interest payments on their mortgages as a direct result of what happened. So even though, you know, they've gone back on it, well, it still cost all of us. Um, in hundreds of pounds extra a month in, in what we have to repay on our mortgages. Yeah. So the those mortgage rates, won't, they won't come down as quickly as they went up, will they? Guaranteed. Now, Mike says, good morning, Mike. What else from the mini budget could be scrapped before conference is done? Bankers' bonuses, corporation tax. Um, does Have they actually, is Mike right, have they weakened themselves here? Because they've you've turned on something they were, I mean, Liz Truss just yesterday was saying, I am absolutely committed to this. 24 hours later, she's gone. Has this weakened them in terms of everything else they want to do? Because their MPs and the Labour Party will all see, well, look, we, they can be undermined. They can change. They can just be. They can be made to change their mind on all of it if we want to. The, the corporation tax—it's um, not a tax cut. It's not going ahead with a rise that was due to come in, which I know yeah. is a bit technical, but um, that'll still that'll still go ahead. That rise won't happen now. Um, but, you know, it, it, it's got sort of cross-party support, really, um, not to go ahead with that. And the argument could be because, well, business is going to be, they're facing enough problems as it is with energy bills. Um, so by not pushing ahead with a rise in corporation tax, and, you know, so many Conservatives were behind not going ahead with that rise. You know, when it was first announced, they, they objected to it because obviously the party is seen as the party of business. So I don't think there'll be a U-turn on that. Bankers' bonuses... Had it not been for the 45p additional rate, there would have been a lot more anger about the scrapping of the cap on bankers' bonuses. But the only reason the government is able to scrap the cap on bankers' bonuses is because we've left the EU to post-Brexit uh, benefit, if you like, for, for bankers. And because it's one of the tangible things that the government can do now we've left the European Union, I think that will also stay. 
Um, in terms of what to look for that they might end up U-turning on, well, it had been announced previously that benefits would rise in line with inflation. And in the past few days, the government, various ministers, the Prime Minister, the Chancellor and the Chief Secretary to the Treasury, Chris Philp, have all failed to commit to that, um, which has obviously raised fears that the benefits won't rise in line with inflation, which what that means is it's a real terms cut for people on welfare. Now, that is the one to watch because the government, you know, it'd be hugely expensive if they did rise benefits in line with inflation. But if they don't, you can make the argument that they're hitting the poorest and you know, all right, they're not going ahead with this 45 fee tax tax rate cut, but they wanted to. Mm. Um, so that shows whose side they're on. So I think that's the key one to watch because there's a lot of uh, centrist conservatives who are deeply unhappy and worried about how about how that will play for their constituents who are on welfare and how it'll pay, yeah, how it will cost conservatives in the long run because it's the sort of thing that does help you lose elections. Exactly. And that will still be, you know, compared to bankers bonuses, won't it? And uh, <clears throat> you're, you're axing benefits, but you're you're giving bankers their you know, extra bonuses. And that's still going to be politically very, very toxic for them. Now, Mike says, good morning, Mike. Another Mike, different one. Are they going to compensate those families who now have higher mortgages because of their incompetence? Uh, Mike, I'd love to see that class action being taken against Quasi Kwarteng for saying silly things. Um, uh, and who knows? It should probably happen. But I think, Ben, we've got the same situation, haven't we? In conference this week, when Kwasi Kwarteng stands up and makes a speech, if he gives any kind of public statement, and I've never known this happen before at a party conference, but sterling could go up or down, interest rates could go up or down, depending on, on the questions he's asked and the answers he gives at what is just a party jamboree, couldn't it? Yeah, the problem is, like, MPs, particularly Liz Truss and Kwasi Kwarteng, they're used to going around conference fringes and thinking out loud and saying mad stuff in the company <laughs> of like people who are their political allies. The problem is, once you're the most senior minister and second most senior minister in the country, you can't just think out loud and say mad stuff because it has real, real world consequences, as you see for mortgages. Um, and as you see with Sterling, you know, it, it's quite commonplace during a budget where a chancellor is delivering economic forecasts, economic measures to, to watch Sterling, you know, the geeks in the city, they do that and they watch the charts of the rise and fall on a particular announcement, minute by well, second by second. Yeah. But apart from the conference, you shouldn't really be doing that. But the problem is, you know, when he says stuff on the radio, it's not just political geeks who are listening to him on the radio, watching him on the television. It's it's actual people who who decide what the mortgage rates are, that sort of thing. It has real-world consequences and impact on real people. And I think mm. that's something that Quasi Quarteng and Liz Truss are going to have to get used to. You can't just think out loud at a right-wing think tank at party conference with a glass of warm white wine in your hand. This is real stuff now. Yeah, well, thinking out loud, that's... Um... That's, a, that's an absolute uh, damned there, but faint praise. Now, Basics of Islam, perhaps not the real name, says, I'm not sure why Omni Shambles is not being used to describe this budget. No. Is it because we've had 12 of these? So the description is meaningless. Omni Shambles is no longer uh, enough of a portmanteau to really cover what's happening. The, one of the words that's being used inside number 10, according to some Sunday Times yesterday, was truster, um, as he used to call it, a cluster. And now it's a truster. So that pretty much covers it. But we can't 
discuss that here. Uh, ben, have you heard any better portmanteaus for what's happening? Uh, none that are repeatable, no. Um, <laughs> that Omnichambles thing, originally that came from, uh, I think it was the thick of it, of course, and then Ed Miliband used it um, quite liberally to describe, I think it was the 2012 budget um, with the pasty tax. Uh, you know, heady days of the pasty tax. Oh, the, years, ha- uh, the church, the church roof tax, and the pasty tax, and other things that yeah. seemed quite terrible at the time. Gil for a pasty tax now. Um, yeah. Now, Gail says, "Isn't she just keeping Boris's seat warm for him?" I assumed that was the plan. There was also some suggestion yesterday in the Sunday papers that Boris is just sitting quietly. Was very supportive of her bid for leadership because he knew she would fail quite badly, um, and that he's just waiting to be invited back in again for the end of the term uh do you think that's likely i don't i mean you know even the dogs in the street were predicting that she wouldn't do particularly well as prime minister so the fact that boris was sort of sitting back waiting for it to unfold into the chaos it has genius yeah that's not that's not some sort of evil plot by boris that was just common sense um i think i always thought that the conservative party would regret getting rid of boris johnson you know he's a proven election winner um, led them to the biggest majority since 1987. Um, for all his faults, which were legion, uh, he did win elections. And it sort of shows the arrogance of the party that they think they could stay in power, whoever was their leader. Um, you know, Liz Truss doesn't have that political appeal that Boris did. Boris does. Um, I remember going around during the Hustings campaign, uh, during the Hustings leadership uh, election, and we were talking to people in the street and these were not Conservative Party members. They were ordinary people. So we were in, in the towns rather than box popping people in the queues. So these are ordinary people. And at least a third of the people I was speaking to said, well, they shouldn't have got rid of Boris. It's not fair what they've done to him. Or oh, Partygate. Yeah, but everyone has a drink. Everyone broke the rules. I mean, obviously, that's not true. But that's the sort of, there was a lot of affection and still sympathy for what happened to Boris Johnson. Um, you know, in my view, a lot of it was misplaced. But it's a, it shows a sort of wider affection out there for the, you know, the flawed genius prime minister it who shows, won election. It shows the benefit of whatever the first impression is does tend to stick. So if the first impression of Boris Johnson was, have I got news for you? And he's quite entertaining and witty. That seems to have been what embedded. Whereas the first impression of Liz Truss is, what? So that's the one that's kind of embedded a bit. But very quickly, before we go on to the next story, if you've got any questions about Liz Truss on how uh, you think toy commerce is going, get into the comments and let us know. But very quickly, Ben, you're up there this week with the um, Angry Red Trouser Brigade. What is the feeling uh, on the ground? Are they rebellious? Are they plotting against her? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people are going, this can't go on. Um, you know, it's, you've got to remember, this is less than a month into her being prime minister because of the Queen dying and the row about the emergency budget, it seems like it's gone on for a lot longer, but it was only, I believe it was July the 6th, uh, sorry, uh, September the 6th, that she she became Prime Minister. Um, and we're only on October the 3rd. So there's a lot that has happened in that month um, and people have formed their views, but already people are talking about, well, what do the rules say on when we can get rid of a leader? Um, we knew this would happen, didn't realise it would happen so quickly. Uh, so people are trying to, to work out how they might be able to get rid of her. Now, we talk about a lot's happened in a month. Well, of course, we're still more than two years out from a general election. The next general election, by law, has to be held on, I think it's January the 25th, 2025. So that's two years and three months away. So 
if 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 everyone calms down, um, you know, she can she could still recover this to the point where it's not a huge landslide for Labour. Whether she can win a general election, I'm not sure now. Um, but you know, events, dear boy, events. A lot can happen in those two years and, and three months. So, um, if possible, she can recover it. It's it's just as possible that the Conservatives will find a way to get her out so that somebody else fights the next general election as leader. Yeah, just I think we need someone to indicate perhaps they want the job. And at the moment, oh, who'd want to take over that? We'll have to see, won't we? Now, uh, keep asking us your questions. We'll have a wrap up at the end. But first, to another brilliant trust decision and something which Boris Johnson handled rather better than her, uh, which is something that needs to be U-turned. And on page 19, uh, yours truly has a story in the paper. Yes. Uh, Dan Jarvis and Johnny Mercer. Tory and a Labour MP, arguably the most recognisable veterans in Parliament, possibly... Uh, some of the most recognised in the country, have joined forces. Today is October the 3rd, and that is the Plutonium Jubilee, the 70th anniversary of Britain's first atomic bomb test in an operation called Operation Hurricane uh, off the northwest coast of Australia uh, 70 years ago today, 1952. Now, last year, when we took veterans to meet Keir Starmer and then Boris Johnson, uh, the government was given a deadline of today, of the 70th anniversary, to get some recognition and a medal in place for these the most mistreated servicemen and heroes this country's ever had. Now, Boris Johnson, there he is, met them in June, spent half the meeting aghast at what they had to say. He promised them, he resigned in July. He promised them a plutonium jubilee when he left in September. But here we are on the jubilee with no public service of commemoration attended by government figures and royalty, which is what we asked for. There is no medal because Liz Truss sacked the head of the main medal committee on day one in office. Um, and there's no indication of quite when we might expect some money to has uh, been made available, supposedly, for oral history projects and so on to mark their service. Now, I went to number 10 a couple of days ago over this story and said we didn't even know how the veterans hadn't even been told how much money there was in the pot for them. And Overnight, it appears, just before we publish, uh, Number 10 has uh, put out publicly to other media that there'll be £450,000 made available. But we still don't know when that is. And bear in mind, Number 10 has told the media before they told the veterans who were asking only a couple of days ago. So, Ben, in your view, it does seem that Liz Truss has noticed this finally, or her team have. Um, but they are not doing an awful lot. What are the what are the chances do you think of them you turning on this too and actually listening to some of these veterans and what they need? I just thought if a government is looking for an easy win on something, finally, um, you know, government under massive pressure and being hammered on all fronts, and this is something they should look to that's relatively uncontroversial, um, and which you know is a long running campaign. Uh, and which would mean a lot to the people involved. So I, th I think in the coming weeks, possibly before Christmas, there might be some action on this. Um, you know, I, I, to a certain extent, I can understand how it slipped down the government's uh, agenda and the, the, the in-tray, while other stuff's come on top of it. But that's of no comfort to the people who have been waiting so many years, so many decades for official recognition of what they went through. Um, and in case in the cases of the families are still going through. Um, so hopefully there will be some action on it, not too distant future. Um, I, I suspect the government will address this relatively soon, yeah. 
Well, they damn well need to, because um, we have uh, going into a long, cold, hard winter. The average age of these men is now well into their 80s. It's a very cheap thing to sort out for the government to do. And like you say, it gets good publicity and press and everyone's impressed all over. And as the story there proves, there are Tory backbenchers very, very agitated about this and prepared to cause a stink about it. So uh, I would suggest, Liz or your team, if any of you are watching, this is the sixth invitation you've had to meet the nuclear test veterans with the Daily Mirror. Please respond to some of them and uh, let's try and get this done for the veterans uh, before you have to leave office. Probably even uh, maybe even before Christmas. What, what will happen first? Liz Truss leaving office or the nuclear test veterans getting their medal? Let's wait to see, shall we? Right, we need to move on now uh, because there is some good news in the world and here it is. Now, every year, about two billion quality street wrappers end up in landfill, despite the fact that the, pla the plasticky bits are actually compostable. No one puts them in with the potato peelings and they all go in a hole in the ground. Now, makers behind Quality Street are getting rid of all the foil and all the plastic uh, to replace it with waxed paper in a bid to be more environmentally friendly. But they say they're still managing to get that sort of iconic, shiny jewels look, which is, makes it such a joy when you open the tin. So, Ben, I suppose the question is, is, is this a sign that actually there are quite a lot of people who like the green ones? <laughs> um, yeah, perhaps. I've never been a huge fan of Quality Street, I have to be honest. Like if, if, you're, if you're picking between the two, I always went for roses at Christmas from the, the tin in the, in the family home rather than Quality Street. Mm. Um, I was trying to work out, when, when I read this story, the, the golden barrels with the caramel were they roses? Your caramel kegs yeah i think they were probably roses um yeah but it obviously it's good if they're getting rid of it and it's good for the environment well i'm surprised things like that have, have lasted as long as they have to be honest and i didn't realize yeah, no. the story that, that, that since 2008 they have been compostable i'm trying to think what we've done with the ones we've had probably put them in the bin like everybody else to be honest. So, like, ev like everybody yeah. else but you know, one of my one of my greatest journalistic achievements, Ben, about about a decade ago, when I was still a news reporter on the Sunday Mirror, the editor um, bought a box of chocolates and decided there weren't very many in there that she was expecting, and so she sent me off on a mission to buy up uh, like four or six lots of Quality Street roses, celebrations, and heroes. So in the run up to Christmas from different shops all over the place of different batches weigh them all see how much chocolate was in each each one and which one was actually best uh in terms of the amount of money you had and the amount of chocolate you got bang for your buck and out of those four roses heroes quality street and what was the other one celebrations which do you think it was uh roses i'll tell you now quality by name quality by nature so I, I it put me off christmas chocolates because i ate quite a lot that week I, <laughs> I never wanted any ever again but i'm not surprised it's quality street that have done this because they were the best even then now strav says why is no one calling out the tories as the party that cannot be trusted with the economy it was part of the brainwashing onslaught against labor isn't it now the tories turn i'm pretty certain strav we heard that a lot last week at the labor party conference didn't we ben yeah, yeah. I mean, it, the, the reputation that the Conservatives had for being, you know, the sound management of the economy, I think everyone, there's a consensus now that's shredded in the same way that it was 
September the 16th, 1992 on Black Wednesday, um, you know, the, the mini budget that Kwasi Kwarteng announced uh, at the end of September. I think that's um, that's going to go down in the same sort of uh, annals of history as Black Wednesday. Yeah, we had five years to wait for it to get rid of them after that, though. Now, Simon says, <clears throat> how many of the Tories are rebelling or are they going to be whipped back into place by the party whips? So, uh, ben, the, the whipping operation the Tories had is just that's shredded, isn't it? There's no that after Chris Pincher and everything else they had under John, who pays any attention to the whips now? Yeah, there's a lot of uh, disquiet actually about Wendy Morton, who's the chief whip, the first <laughs> woman chief whip that the party's had. Um, that you know, she's not up to the job and she can't keep people in line. Well, the problem is when Liz Truss appointed her cabinet, she made a decision that she only would only appoint people who supported her during the leadership uh, race. And the problem with that was you alienate a lot of the people who didn't, um, including competent ministers like Grant Shapps. And she, she apparently told him, you know, you were one of the government's best communicators, but you, you didn't back me. So I'm uh, going to have to put you outside the tent, I'm afraid. And you, when you have that opportunity, and it, it's only at the start you have it as prime minister to bring people back on side to try and show that, you know, no hard feelings. Of course, it's a leadership election. You're entitled to back who you like. But now we're we're going to govern. She could have brought on people who supported Rishi Sunak or indeed other contestants, contenders in the leadership race. And she opted not to do that. And by ignoring those people, snubbing those people and consigning them to the back benches, you create enemies of them and they become, to a certain extent, unmanageable, which exactly. is what we <clears throat> They're outside the tent. Yeah, with Shaps and, uh, and Michael Gove sounding off on various interviews and other um, fringe events here in Birmingham. Yeah, all with an eye perhaps as well to saving their own seats and the inevitable electoral bloodbath that's coming their way. Now, Pamela says, is she incompetent or is this deliberate? Is she actually, Ben, still a sleeper agent for the Lib Dems trying to bring down the Conservative Party? Because she's doing a marvellous job. Yeah, well, the thing is with that question, Pamela, they're not mutually exclusive, are they? She could be doing it deliberately and she could be incompetent, which is what I think might be the case. Yeah, that would be, that's possibly the worst combination, <clears throat> isn't it, really, of, uh, of everything. Now, John says, doesn't Johnson still have the Privileges Committee to face? He does, um, as, but he's not been in Parliament, as a lot of MPs haven't for the past few weeks, because they've all been away. Um, is he ever actually going to go in front of that committee, or can he just ignore it, Ben? No, he, as, as a serving MP, he will be summoned to appear before the Privileges Committee and he's indicated that he'll go. Um, we think he probably wants to bring his own solicitor or barrister with him as well, which we think he won't be allowed to do. Or if he is allowed to bring somebody to advise him, they certainly won't be able to answer questions on his behalf. Um, those hearings are due to start uh, within a matter of weeks. Parliament's coming back a week early from um, from the conference recess. Or not for me, someone holiday next week. Um, but We're that, you know, that moment for, um, for Boris Johnson when, when he is grilled by that committee. And of course, they can censure him and they can ultimately, they could suspend him from Parliament. And if they suspend him from Parliament for long enough, that could trigger a by-election, which could, he could lose and be kicked out of Parliament. And if he is kicked out of Parliament, well, that obviously would torpedo any hope he has of uh, regaining the Conservative leadership and going back into Downing Street. Exactly. Um, but it would take the attention of trust, wouldn't it, while he was going through that? So she's probably hoping like hell that that all happens sooner rather than later. Now, Mika says, do we even know when the next £324 cost of living crisis payment is, Ben? Uh, do you no, know? No, no, is the answer to that question. 
Uh, but it's coming at some point, but presumably it's all as unfunded as everything else. Mike says, uh, can Ben pick up a load of those in Liz We Trust mugs to hand out to viewers? They'll be collector's items very soon. Uh, they, they could indeed yeah, attract some big money at some point, couldn't they? Uh, probably. Yeah. I mean, I'll have to see uh, if I can get those through on expenses and uh, I'll come back to you on that. <laughs> Not enough to fund £70 billion worth of tax cuts, though, uh, and other unfunded nightmares uh, that we're having with our prime minister at the moment right thank you very much ben for joining us uh and you can unchain yourself from the hotel radiator now and go about your business thank you everybody for taking part uh those of you listening on podcast please leave us a review because other people then can find us a bit easier and we will see you all again on wednesday for another edition of the uh, trust up news agenda see you all then bye <laughs>